What's poppin' everybody? Episode 24 of the Slip and Weave Podcast. Got a big episode today. Talking Leo Santa Cruz and Javante Davis. I'm talking Usyk and Chisora. I'm talking a great couple of cards from this past weekend and more. So let's get right into it. get right into it man there was a good card on the zone that had um several quality fights at 115 pounds and uh the first one not the first one but the first one of the of note was between roman chocolatito gonzalez fighting a guy named israel gonzalez um chocolatito if you're not familiar is regarded as one of the great little men of this era if not the best um, and the opponent he was taking on was was a lot taller than him. He had some nice range. He was he was boxing on the outside really nice early, um, and he pro- maybe won the first two rounds. But with Chocolatito, the pressure you know picks up over time, and he's he eventually kind of starts bursting your pipes with that with that pressure a little bit, and you know he starts hitting you in the body every time you're on the ropes. The combinations get longer and more creative and more unpredictable. And it's sort of like an avalanche over time. And you could see that um, Israel Gonzalez was was having a hard time with it. it it's a lot to handle. And, and, and Chocolatito, you know, by the last five, six rounds, maybe, maybe four rounds, was really putting it on this guy. I mean, he was just wailing on him. And the fact that the kid finished the fight I thought was really impressive. There was a handful of times where I was like, they might want to think about wrapping this thing up because... Israel is a good young fighter, and Chocolatito was just was just on him, man. He was just on him the whole time. And, you know, I've talked about this before with him, but he has a great little move on the inside where he uses that, that backhand as a shield, and he'll shift his feet. So he'll shift over this way, block here, throw a combo. He'll shift back this way, throw a combo here. So he punches, and he always keeps his feet moving, and he always keeps fucking mic stand. And he always keeps <laughs> he always keeps his positioning, you know, ready to punch and on balance. A lot like Golovkin. That's why they used to put him on the same cards as Golovkin. They're very similar, but it's just a simple little shuffle: front foot, back foot here, punch; back foot, front foot here, punch. So he's constantly moving side to side, changing, you know, where he is after he punches. And so, I mean, he's very aggressive. So of course he gets hit, um, but for the most part. He's very difficult to deal with on the inside because you are going to spend a lot of time missing and hitting the gloves. He does move his head. He's, you know, he's not giving you gimme shots. You are going to hit him because he's so aggressive, but he's not giving you a whole lot of gimmies. And ultimately, you know, this was a class over time. And Chocolatito's class showed over time. You know, the main event on this card was two guys that Chocolatito has some experience with. It was a rematch between Juan Francisco Estrada and Carlos Cuadras, both, you know, top-notch guys at 115 pounds, junior bantamweights. 
And, um, you know, this is a rematch of a, of a fight that was a one-point victory across the board, right? I looked this up, and I remember watching their first fight. You know, uh, Estrada put Quadras down, I believe, in round 10, and that was the difference. All of the cards were 114 to 113. So this rematch absolutely made sense. It was a good, you know, top-level opponent for Estrada. And I, I think a good, um, a good way of gauging whether or not a rematch between him and Chocolatito makes sense is warranted. This is a very, very high-level opponent. Quadras also gave Chocolatito, you know, in my mind, maybe the most physical fight of his career. If you go back and watch it, you know, uh, Quadras' speed, you know, and, and combinations in the exchanges against Chocolatito was so spot on when it was a very, very close fight. So, and and it had Quadras won, I would have loved to have seen a rematch with Chocolatito and Quadras. So this was a win-win situation. And ultimately, this was one of those classic um, back-and-forth fights, man. It had a real feel of like an Israel Gonzalez, Rafael Marquez. It was, it was that intense. And what was cool was Quadras early in the fight. He was boxing really well. He was putting together nice combinations. You know, he dropped Estrada in the third round, and it was kind of looking like, okay, maybe Estrada's a little caught off guard by just how much Quadras is bringing it. Um, and I think once he put Estrada down, I think it, it, it woke Estrada up to the level of fight that he was in. And again, a lot like Chocolatito, although this fight was much more competitive, this was a slow roll. This was a slow avalanche. It was like every round Estrada did a little more and a little more and a little more. And interestingly, he's sort of the, you know, if this is Marquez Pacquiao, he's more of the Marquez, right? He's more of like a, a counterpuncher, back foot fighter. And this one, he had to bring it to Quadras because Quadras was boxing very well early in the fight. So Estrada's bringing it, and, and every round he's just getting a little more in, a little more in. You know, round eight, nine, sharp punching, moving his head on the inside. You can see it's all starting to get to Quadras a little bit. And ultimately, Estrada stops Quadras in round 11 in a fucking great fight. If these guys wanted to do it a third time, I wouldn't have a problem with that either. You know, Carlos Quadras, anytime I see this guy, it's a good fight. You know, he brings it no matter what. He's a championship level guy. He's 39-4-1 with 27 knockouts. This is a guy who shows up to win. And, um, you know, but for Estrada, I think ultimately what this means, and this is what was being talked about prior to the fight, what it means is that, you know, he and Chocolatito are going to do a rematch. Chocolatito beat Estrada back in 2012. Um, and I think this rematch absolutely makes sense. They both position themselves legitimately as the top two guys in the weight class again. And I hope they put this together as soon as possible. This junior bantamweight weight class between, um, you know, I've, and again, I've talked about this before, but this junior bantamweight between Chocolatito, Estrada, Quadras, again, you got Sorong Visai that's in the mix. You have McWilliams Arroyo. You know, you got uh, uh, Yoka from Japan, Kazuto Yoka. It's a very interesting weight class, and they're all fighting each other. You have Cal Yufai, too, Chocolatito's most recent opponent, who's a very uh, very high-level guy. So this this weight class is a lot of fun. This is one of the, my favorite weight classes in boxing, particularly 
since they're all fighting each other. Um, there was also, and this was on Friday, by the way, last Friday, on Saturday, there was a really fucking, a really good card on Showtime. Um, that I was a little, you know, I didn't think I was going to be talking about it because the fights, you know, generally I like to talk about, um, now that we have options and there's so many fights, I like to talk about the bigger ones, but the quality of fights on this card were so high that it was like, I got to I got to talk about this. This is, you know, these are incredible fights. The first, the first one was, uh, uh, Xavier Martinez, who's 16 and 0 with 11 knockouts, won a unanimous decision over Claudio Marrero. This was at junior lightweight, 130 pounds. Um, and this is a really interesting fight, man, because Claudio Marrero is one of those, you know, crafty veterans who's been in at the highest level multiple times. You know, he's fought world-class guys. He's got uh, multiple first-round knockouts against undefeated opponents. And uh, Martinez, and, uh, you know, Martinez is just kind of a young, unbeaten prospect. It's hard to know what you're getting from him. You know, but ultimately what we got was Marrero was showing Martinez a lot of different looks, be it he's going to box on the outside now. Beginning of the round comes out, boom, he jumps on him, he throws a hard combination. You know, he was trying a lot of different things, trying to see what worked, and sometimes it did work, but Martinez had a really strong jab. He was really, really strong and tough in the pocket. He has fast hands. You know, he knows how to catch and shoot. And, and move his head on the inside. So then in round eight, Marrero drops Martinez twice. And it looks like he's going to get him out of there. You know, Martinez's feet are out. He's all over the place. Marrero's really throwing. And he doesn't get him. I don't know if he punched himself out or if he just thought, you know, this kid's this kid's tough. He's going to stick around. Um, but he didn't get him. And then the back end of the fight... It, it, Martinez, you know, showed a lot of heart to pull himself together and ultimately kind of outbox Marrero and outwork him. You know, there was times where Marrero was on the outside moving effectively, but he wasn't really landing any punches. You know, so the last four rounds, Martinez really brought the fight to Marrero, gritted it out, made it work, you know, through body shots, through his jab, and just made it happen against a very, very tricky, difficult opponent who's given him a lot of different looks. Um, you know, a lot of times to me, a fight like this is even more impressive than a blowout because we know, you know, based on the competition that Marrero, you know, is just under that elite level, right? He's a legitimate contender. And he gave Martinez, I think, every different look he could give him, buzzed him, had him on his ass, and I think Martinez legitimately won the fight. I don't, I don't think you could argue that Marrero took it. You know, particularly since Martinez won the last four rounds, maybe. You know, I had it 114-112 for Martinez. And I could even see 115-111. And it, it's so very impressive come-from-behind victory. When you see that, you know, with young guys like that, it's really impressive because it, it shows the kind of character they have as they step up. You know what I'm saying? How they're going to react to to that kind of resistance to somebody that, you know, is not impressed with your record and, and wants it just as bad as you want it. And in fact has beaten guys at your level, you know? So how do you make that work? And now they have you on your backside. So how do you, how do you, how do you flip the script on that? I was very impressed with the, uh, with the victory from Martinez. Um, the main event on this showtime card, 
was a draw between Sergei Lipinets and a guy from Canada named Custio Clayton, who I had never heard of before. Undefeated, he was 18 and 0 at the time, still undefeated after the draw. And you know, I, I had heard that Lipinets was supposed to fight another guy. I think it was um, another Kazakh guy, uh, Abdu Kohorov. Um, and that fight, for whatever reason, didn't happen. I don't know exactly the backstory on that, but Clayton was brought in as sort of a late replacement. And this guy's a fucking nightmare to bring in as a late replacement. I mean, every single round of this fight was difficult to score. Every single round was close, pretty much. Which is why the draw is, I think, very appropriate. Um, very different styles between these two guys. Clayton is a very loose outside boxer. He moves his head. He's super elusive. He'll, you know, he'll roll his shoulder. He keep his hands low. He's moving his head. He's moving his feet. Lipinets is very much like gloves up high, stalking you, trying to throw body shots, trying to pin you on the ropes. And both of them did these things effectively. I thought for large stretches in the round, Clayton could kind of de-impact the round, keep Lippinets on the end of his shots. He hit hard enough to get his respect. So, you know, there were stretches where Lippinets was sort of just caught with his hands in his pocket trying to catch, catch, you know, move his head. And and Lippinets has great defense as well. He keeps his gloves high, keeps his head moving, flexes at the waist. You know, and then when he would get his opportunities and, and have brief moments where he would have Clayton on the ropes, he would get three, four hard ones off. Hard ones. And Clayton was never really even buzzed. Um, so this was just a really entertaining welterweight fight. I think these are two guys at that weight class. You know, it's such a stacked weight class. But whatever the elite is, they're they're just under it. And they probably both deserve a shot. I would love to see them you know, do a rematch to maybe get some clarity on, you know, who should get that shot first. Because low-key, I think Clayton is one of the most slept-on guys at welterweight after this fight. I don't think it was Lippinett's best performance just with the long layoff. But this guy Clayton, with, with those boxing skills and that length and that power, I, I think he gives anybody at welterweight a hard time. Because good luck, good luck finding him. You got to have that same kind of defense and footwork that Lippinett's has. Um, so I would say look for either of these guys in a big fight or in a rematch. So, and we got next weekend coming up, right? A lot going on. We got the big, big fight between Leo Santa Cruz and Gervonta Tank Davis. I am like a lot of you. I'm fucking jacked up about this fight. I'll tell you what, when they signed this, I was like, whoo, that's a real fucking matchup right here. This is what I'm talking about. Santa Cruz. He's 37, 1 and 1, 19 knockouts. You know, he's got relentless pressure. He throws so many punches. He's long. He's tall. He can box if he needs to and get behind his jab. Um, Leo's a handful, man. Leo is a handful. You know, I was looking at their resumes, and as far as fighting the absolute elite, elite of the sport, you know, Leo's had his two fights with Abner Mares. Two fights with Carl Frampton, both at, you know, at featherweight. Won both fights with Mares, very close fights. Lost, uh, uh, split two fights with Frampton, lost the first one, the rematch. And, you know, 
aside from those guys, and those were very tough, close fights, Leo's basically blown through anybody I've ever watched. He's, I'm talking, these opponents are the elite opponents. He's fought other guys that are terrific fighters. But anybody that's not those two guys, Leo just walks through them, man. His pace is too much. He throws too many punches. He's too long. He does not get hurt. His chin is like iron. Um, and it's going to get tested in this one, for sure. There's no doubt about that. Tank, you know, Tank is 23-0, 22 knockouts. Everybody knows what Tank brings, man. Tanks bring speed, power, explosiveness, you know, Golovkin-type power. Um, it really, it's jarring, and that's part of why he gets so many early knockouts, you know, and he's got the speed and the boxing IQ to go with it. Um, and I think the kind of punching power he has, it's not that just he's a strong puncher. It's that special, um, like, Kovalev, Tyson... Uh, Golovkin, that kind of power. It's really concussive, put you out with one shot power. And he's shown it against, you know, essentially every opponent. I did the same sort of thing with him where I looked at on his resume, you know, who's a guy that's at the elite level, you know, and the two for me was one that I was actually at was his fight with Jose Pedraza, who you've heard me talk about on this show, who is now a contender at 140 pounds this fight's taking place at 130 pounds so that win over Pedraza in 2017 to me looks better and better every day because Pedraza's had you know success at these higher weights um and has fought well against top level guys so to me that's a top level win the other top level win is his last fight against Yuri Orcas Gamboa um you know there were things about that fight that were really impressive. He put Gamboa on his ass two, three times early in the fight. Um, overall, dominated the fight one, all but maybe one or two rounds. You know, but to me, what was interesting was, and this was partly Gamboa, but Gamboa, even though he got dropped twice early in the fight, even though he tore his Achilles early in the fight, we found out after. Down the stretch of the fight, where Tank hasn't spent a lot of time, he hasn't spent a lot of time in the back end of the fight, Gamboa started landing some punches. Gamboa started, there was rounds where Gamboa pushed Tank back and hit him on the ropes. And Gamboa is not known as the kind of pressure volume fighter that Leo is, which I could foresee being difficult for Tank if he, you know, at some point in the middle back end of the fight starts to get a little tired. Leo's not getting tired. I can tell you Leo's not getting tired. So I that was just something I noticed was that despite, you know, really dominating him, at the end, towards the end of the fight, Gamboa was able to find success because Tank's work rate just went down so much. And uh, you have to wonder how making the weight and all that is going to play into his stamina, how his body's feeling. But, and look, if you've been watching this channel, you know I've gotten the last couple predictions wrong, so I would take this all with a grain of salt. But the way I, I personally see this fight playing out is I think that early in the fight, you know, maybe the not early in the fight, but the first seven or eight rounds, I think that overall tank speed and power and athleticism and foot movement is going to be a little much for Leo. And he's a lot bigger than Leo's ever, anyone Leo's ever fought. He hits a lot harder. So I think that Leo's going to be a little smarter. 
and and Tank may be able to clip him and hurt him, maybe even keep his hands in his pocket a little bit, and maybe stop him in that first seven to eight rounds. But if he does not stop Leo and he gets at all tired, I think that Leo will, the last four or five rounds, will be able to make something happen and make the fight close. So, and I think that's ultimately what will happen. I think that Leo is a special fighter as well for a different, in a different kind of way, just in a work rate, heart kind of way. Um, and conditioning and, and, and all of the things, you know, he's an elite level guy. So I do see Leo in the back end of the fight making something happen and really pressing Gervonta along the ropes and landing combinations and Gervonta winning either a, probably winning a close decision over Leo. Um, but I think that both of their stock goes up from this fight. I think that Leo is going to be able to put himself in a position to say, look what I did against, you know, a top pound for pound guy, you know, be it at 126, 130 or 135, you know, they'll both be considered one of the two of the best in that weight neighborhood after this fight. And I think it's going to be a great fight. And, um, you know, Regis Progray's on the undercard. There's a couple other good fights on the undercard, but this one's worth watching because I think that both of these guys are some of the best young fighters of their era. So definitely tune into that. You know, also on Saturday, there's going to be a card on the zone. It's going to be Alexander Usyk and Derek Chisora. I love this matchup, man. I love this matchup. I'm, I, I, it it kind of sucks that in the last few years, Usyk hasn't been more active. I know he's had injuries and then COVID and whatever. But, you know, I have this guy on my top pound for pound list and you know, he's fought essentially once in the last two years. So I'm really looking forward to seeing Usyk against a heavyweight that has been in with everybody, man. This guy's fought Tyson Fury and Dillian White, you know, twice each. You know, he's been in there with most of the top guys at heavyweight, and he's always proven that he brings a good fight. Every once in a while, he gets a win over one of those guys. You know, if Usyk can beat Chisora, I think he... He makes the case that, like, yo, I'm here. I'm one of the top guys at heavyweight. I can take your size. I can take your power. Um, and I can throw hard enough and I'm fast enough and smart enough that I can handle whatever you guys bring. This is a great gauge of where he's at at the elite level at heavyweight. Um, and I think that he's going to win a unanimous decision. I think he's going to box really good. And I think he's going to have to really work for it. Chisora is really going to push him maybe like he's never been pushed before. Um, but I do see this being a really good fight. And hopefully, you know, on the other end of it, if we can't get, you know, Joshua and Fury immediately, hopefully we can get Joshua and Usyk. That's a fight that I would love to see, particularly if Usyk has a good night against Chisora. Um, so that's going to be on the zone. Definitely check that out. Um, there's also going to be a fight between Naoya and Noye. And Jason Maloney on ESPN Plus, Inouye, the monster, you know, one of the most explosive punchers in all of boxing, even though he's a bantamweight. You know, you see this guy blowing through people. His last fight was a very, you know, close competitive fight against the legend Nonito Donaire. Um, I think that he'll probably stop Maloney, but I'm not really sure. I've seen Maloney and I've, I was impressed with him. Um, 
I've talked about him on this show, the, the weekend he fought. Um, but Inouye, again, one of the top pound-for-pound pound guys. I know some people have him in their top five. I don't know about all that yet, but he's definitely, you know, super exciting, super talented, explosive. You know, it, this is can't-miss TV. He's like the new Chocolatito almost. He's like the new elite-level little guy. Maybe those two can fight one day. We'll see. And the last one was on Friday. Jaime Munguia is going to be fighting Toriano Johnson. I think it's his first fight at middleweight. I'm not entirely sure. So, yeah. So that's that's everything for this past weekend and for next weekend. Definitely make sure. I know there's three different cards on next weekend, but, you know, it's all going to be high-level shit. Oh, also, Michaela Mayer is fighting for a title against Ua Brodnick. Um, I've never seen her, but I've seen Michaela, obviously, a bunch. Talked about her on this show as well. And, um, you know, hopefully she can get her first world title. So I know that was a lot of different topics, but that's it for the Slip Movie Podcast this week. And uh, I'll be back next week to talk about all these different fights, do a review of Leo and Gervonta. And, uh, yeah, let me know what you guys think about this fight, man. I'm very excited. Let me know what you think about Tank and Leo. Let me know what you think about Usyk and Chisora and any of the fights that I talked about today. And uh, thanks so much for listening. Again, this has been episode 24. I'll catch you guys next week. Peace.